You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew McKay-Smith. Welcome to the show. Should change that intro, shouldn't I? Should do something a bit more lively, but frankly, you guys know what you're getting at this point in time. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I've been doing that introduction for the past three years or so, but whatever. It's never the point, because the point here is that I'm talking to another fabulous musician. This time around, it is Dave Lupton from Sydney-based Flaming Wreckage. The catalyst for the chat is due to the release of Cathedral of Bones, a modern, brutal thrash metal extravaganza. I'm enjoying this one. So here he is, Dave Lupton. You must be thrilled with how Cathedral of Bones turned out because um, the bit of feedback I've got for you is that there's, man, there's a bunch of down-picked guitar passages from heaven or hell depending <laughs> on your perspective on here that would make uh james give james hetfield cause to smile mate so you, you've got to be thrilled with how your efforts have y- produced this yield courtesy of this album yeah thanks for saying that man that's about as good as you can get compliments for me <laughs> um yeah definitely gave the right hand to work out on, on the recording of this one um but yeah like just like the songwriting was a little bit different this time around we just um Gave it a little bit more time, um, and we had all all four dudes involved in it. Like pre- on previous records, it's sort of been a case of just bringing riffs forward, and then we sort of just pieced the songs together. But this time, it was like when we were writing, we were all there all the time, and that led to some more interesting sort of passages in the, on the record. Like there's some cool like rhythmic stuff going on that wasn't really guitar based to start with, which leads to some interesting things that I haven't really even considered on previous releases. So like stuff like that just um, yeah, really boosted the songs and just the preparation was another one that like really helped us get a, a tough sounding final product. Like we did so much pre-pro and um, by the time we actually got to the studio, like we were just super prepared. So yeah, man, it was a, it was a good process. So what was the most painful part of recording then? Um, probably vocals. Vocals is always pretty fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. For me, it's just like I'm my own worst enemy with that. Like I just, I like to rewrite things like quite a few times usually because I'm just not happy with them the first couple of times. And like on this album as well, there was a couple of songs that were coming from a bit more of a personal place, like, um, you know, some topics that I hadn't really explored too much before and that I I had wanted to write about for quite a while. So, um, and just the recording process for that was like, uh, we recorded with Chris Tomelko, who's, you know, just a killer engineer and like that was another thing that made a massive difference is that he like is a fan of our band like uh, similarly to the the PR guys like they're not going to work with anyone they don't like it just makes it easier for everyone involved if that that, there's like that passion there across the board um so he really gave me a, a a big boost with the with the vocal parts but um he also didn't let me drink any cold liquid in the middle of summer. So I was just drinking tea on 40 degree days, just trying to get these vocal vocal takes out. But um, yeah, we, we pushed it really hard, but um, yeah, man, it was, I think the, the result came out pretty well. So yeah, you got to go through a bit of hell sometimes to get the good takes. Man, he wouldn't let you have a beer on a 40 degree day. He must be a nah. taskmaster. I know. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the proof's in the pudding that it worked, though. I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? About about some sacrifice in in the short term, it feels like shit. But in the long term, now you've got this this great album, and you suffered for it. And I think, I think, to be honest, man, I think a lot of 
you do have to suffer for a lot of good art. That's right. Yeah. And especially like if you're going to really get stuck into the performance side of things with some of the songs that really mean something to you, like you've really got to push as hard as you can for those ones. Um, yes. And look, talking about the, the lyrical themes, you're talking about you, you dived into some personal subjects and the bio, of course, states that you uh, your mind's some apocalyptic societal themes. God, there's enough of them around now and the yeah. bleakness <laughs> of the planet's future. Is that a greater angle or where are you going to with that one? Um, it wasn't. It's not like a concept album or anything like that. It was just like a, a bit of a concept I was playing around with. A lot of that came from like, just like the title, Cathedral of Bones. And then I just sort of ran with that, I guess. And like, um, we had like a really stressful um, process trying to figure out the artwork and it came out so good in the end. But that was like, we had three different artists work on that. Um, the first guy was this Indonesian dude, Riven Argy, who we've used for lots of stuff. Like he designed our logo and he's done a bunch of shirts for us and stuff. And he just, went off the radar so i hope he's okay but i haven't heard from him for quite a long time Shit. yeah um, i work with the indos as well on my artwork as well i've got to say yeah man they're great done. like yeah. it yeah he was always so good so yeah i hope he's I hope he's okay um and then it just got to a point where like it was half done and we needed to finish it so we had to get someone else to step in and they weren't really what we were looking for and then we got this third guy mike morford who absolutely nailed it but when i saw that artwork like i think that was a big like I drew more inspiration from that on a lyrical point of view as well. Just like, you know, each bone is sort of a building block to the apocalypse kind of thing. And I know that um, has been flogged to death, just, you know, the world's fucked and all that stuff, but um, tried to, you know, take a fresh angle on it in, in some ways. And um, I think there's like some overlapping themes in there. Like this, like I said before, there's some personal stuff, there's some societal themes that kind of, you know, overlap to create what the album is. So, can you talk a bit more about this line here from the bio where uh, you help family members through the lyrics whose disabilities prevent them from expressing themselves clearly and wanting nothing more. You want nothing more than to give them a voice. So that's extremely personal there. Can you expand on that a bit? Sure, man. Um, yeah. So that's the song, the voiceless. Uh, that was the first single. Um, and that was, that was kind of what I was referring to before when we were doing the vocal takes with um you know, struggling to get the the right takes out and stuff just because it was mm. such a real real personal song. Um, I've been wanting to write about that for a long time, but um, yes. So my sister, Veronica, she's uh, physically and mentally disabled, um, nonverbal. And mm. so I just wanted to write a song kind of from the perspective of me growing up and my parents just um, trying to overcome those barriers of not being able to communicate um, with any words and just trying to find new ways to get around that kind of thing. And um, just the, I just wanted to really get the, the concept of resilience out there for that one. You know, you're, you're mm. backed into a corner, you've got no choice but to just work out a way to make it work. Um, so, yeah, that was a tough one, man. Like I, I rewrote that song a million times just because I wasn't happy with the so like one word, you know, like I just yeah. obsess over little, little things on it. But um, yeah, it came out really great. And I just the, the whole process, like we did a video clip for that song as well, which is obviously um, based off that concept. And um, even that was super challenging. Like um, we had a videographer, James, um, who did a great job. Um, it was just so difficult trying to explain 
the the concept to him because we were kind of fleshing it out. Like I remember having a meeting with him like, oh, it must have been just when COVID kicked off. So mm-hmm. there was like months and months of planning for that clip and just trying to, like I didn't really know him that well. Like he's done like maybe one photo shoot and one like gig shoot for us, I think. Mm. So trying to explain to this guy that I don't really know too well, like, you know, some of the darkest shit in my life, I guess, um, was pretty challenging. But, um, yeah, we're pretty good mates now. <laughs> I bet. Was it a cathartic experience for you? Yeah, 100%, man. And, um, yeah, right through to like the first time we got to play it live, it was just um, mm. it was a whole yeah, whole process. But, um, yeah, I, th- I remember like showing it to mum and dad and they were pretty emotional. But, um, you know, it's it's good to have a vehicle like a, a band to be able to, like, I don't, I don't know, like I don't really talk about it that often. And mm. now I'm talking about it in all these interviews. But, like, you know, like I, I just don't think I, I'm not that open with it um, all the time. So, like, to have something, like, you, know, you always feel like you can be more open when you're, like, writing lyrics. So to have that like vehicle to do that is um, it's pretty epic. I think you can step back when you're writing lyrics as well because they can almost come from a third person perspective. It's not just necessarily your thoughts or your opinion. It's a combination of a bunch of things. But it, it's wonderful that you've done that, mate, and that you felt um, what's the word? It's not confidence that I'm looking for, but you felt like you'd arrived at a point in your life where you could do that and you could yeah. you could serve that that relationship in that way so yeah, sure. yeah. And like, I, I also write a lot of my lyrics from a point of view that's you know pretty open to interpretation so like on a base level if, if you can just take from that song that like the resilience factor you don't have to you know have anything to like directly in common with it you know you can just take it as a as a concept like that and then t- like take something else from it entirely so i like to think that you know, people can do that as well, which makes me feel pretty good. It does, yeah. Skeletons of Giants is probably my favourite card on the album. Yeah, and cool. uh, Thanks, look, if you, if we're thrash and death metal fans, uh, there's no bigger band than Slayer. I mean, I love Morbid Angel, but I know for most people out there, Slayer are it. Man, that's a that's a killer. I'm not going to call it a homage, but you know, it's in a similar vibe. I, as soon as I heard that, I I just got a, a killer. Uh, Dark Angel backslash Slayer vibe coming from it. So does a comment like that resonate for you with that cut? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I think Testament as well was, was a big influence on this record. Mm. Like J- Juzzy's a huge Testament fan. Um, a lot of a lot of his kind of like faster, more thrashy like style of riffing comes from that sort of place. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what kind of makes up the sound of the band. Like it, J- Juzzy sends, he's just a riff machine. He sends me so many riffs like every day and he stays up till three in the morning just playing guitar like i'll wake up tomorrow and have three new songs probably um but he yeah he he comes from more like the thrash side of things and i'm like if like the more melodic sort of stonery like parts of the record that that'd be more more my my bag but um, i love my thrash metal as well man so that kind of just comes together and makes like that you know unique kind of sound that like teeters on the edge of like melodic death and thrash i guess is what yeah. people tend to call us but yeah i don't know man i can't keep up there's too many too many comparisons it's all just heavy metal to me but i take your point no, absolutely because it's it is it's it's like what 
again, like what I was talking about, what Chris mentioned, but I agree with him about the micro niches. It's it's just with social media marketing and getting spreading the message out there. So so allow me to ask you a question about that side of things. God, I've, I've just, I finished uni not too long ago, less than 12 months ago, and one of the subjects I took was social media marketing, and I didn't do that well at it, I've got to say. It seems like a dark art. So how do you guys go with it? Man, I've gotten, like, really invested into the, like, marketing side of things since this album's come out. Like, mm. we've had a lot more people involved helping us get there, uh, like, you know, a couple of different PR guys and, um, like, the distro dudes and stuff. But at the end of the day, um, we're self-managed, so it's up to us to do that stuff. And, um, yeah. yeah, man, it's crazy. Like, Facebook... Um, pretty much owns everything and they cha- they change their formats all the time. So you got to keep mm. like across that. And it's just like, if you thought social media was addictive already and if you have a band, it's like you've got another profile that you, oh, I'm more addicted to the band like page than I am my own one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been good in the sense that, um, you know, like learning how to like target the, the correct audience, like, with all the online ads and stuff, I've really got stuck into that, which has um, gotten us a lot more like plays and followers, I would say. Um, and you can get so into it, man. Like when you when you're doing a targeted ad, like you can get so specific, and that's what you want. You want to, you know, you, like w- when it says like target audience, you don't want to just write heavy metal. Like you got to you got to know your market. So I think that's very important yeah. to if 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 you want to keep your band rolling. Because um, social media is just so important, man. Like people have the shortest attention span they've ever had. So you've got to keep coming up with fresh content. And that's one thing that we've tried to do a lot more of as well is just uh, our, our um, uh, artist manager from Blood Blast. Um, he calls it the virtual merch desk. You know, like trying mm. to engage with fans on a personal level through social media. So just finding it, finding new ways to do that, man. It's it's a challenge. Like it's, you, you can get really burnt out by it, but um, yeah, you you, it, you have to manage your time quite well to do it effectively. I think. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. been something that I haven't really dived into that deeply until this release. So it's just another thing. But um, you know, and that's just, but that's the story. You know, like um, the, the more for one of the better words success i guess your band gets like the more busy you are so and you need to manage those things effectively so no it's been, I've, I've enjoyed the challenge for the most part you said something that resonates there which is that if you thought social media was addictive and you spent a lot of time on it with your own profile wait until you've got a band profile or like me a podcast profile it's yeah. um it's insane between instagram and facebook and i gotta say oh, i do bugger all i'm just I'm just about to start some A and B testing, but all videos, actually. I'm just going to uh, do some video stuff, just trying to do more reviews. I'll do a, do a review of yours, you know, just all, all nothing negative, you know. It's all it's a bit of a setup, to be honest with you, but yeah. from the perspective that you're trying to generate interest, and I simply won't review anything anyway I don't like, so yeah, um, there's no point. A couple of times I've done it in the past, and I felt like shit afterwards, to be honest with you, because I'm <laughs> the artist, and I can't, and it's, you know, if you don't like, I'm not a keyboard warrior, I'd rather just give them direct feedback, but I mean, who the fuck am I to give them feedback on something they've probably spent or any other reviewer in a lot of respect you know that's why I can't stand the Rolling Stone and Vice and uh, what's that other shithead news site oh god Pitchfork yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know like they don't care I mean they're just hipsters I mean they're just interested in you know which you know the, the volume of you know Lil Nas X's 
Nikes that have got human blood in them or what have you. Um, <laughs> it's not even about music yeah. anymore with that shit. But uh, anyhow, I'll, I'll get back on track. And uh, what, what I noticed about you, man, and I could be wrong here, but I went to Encyclopedia Metallium. And uh, you seem to be the one constant in the band since the EP Disaster Zone in 2010. So if that's the case, yeah. what's the journey been like? Um, man, it's been, um, you know, that's the hardest part, isn't it? Trying to find three other dudes that give mm-hmm. as much of a fuck as you do. Mm. Um, I would say that, like, you know, you, you have to be a band for quite a while before you, you figure out what the fuck you're doing. And I, I, I don't trust anyone that, you know, has been a band for two or three years and then they're on tour and they reckon they got it made. Like, you need a grind pretty hard and probably lose some members and you know it takes a long like this lineup we got now we've had for about four or five years i think and um yeah man it's been a grind to get to that point like but looking back on everything that's happened there's been a lot of shit that's happened but it's it's necessary it's necessary part of the growth of any anything that you want to you know to see do well um so yeah but like we we've just learned how to harness like that kind of stuff like good example like when we were in europe on um that tour a few years ago um Mm. like you know you kind of like living in each other's pockets and like getting to know each other on the road i was talking to andy dowling about this on his podcast and he was like this is it's just the weirdest mode of travel like you know just to to get to know somebody Mm. um so you know when you're on the other side of the world and it's like well this has to work and sometimes it doesn't for a lot of bands like i've heard you know there's plenty of horror stories out there but um in our case like this particular tour um it's pretty i don't want to throw anyone under the bus but yeah there's a couple of egos flying around and we just decided that rather than uh you know get into a war of words or um anything like that we were just gonna shut our mouth and go on stage and just fucking rip it like harder than anyone else on the so bill. so issues within the band you had some ego issues within the band not not in our band it was just um so, like other bands on that on that tour um oh yeah that look i've got to be honest man that's from i've done over 600 interviews at this point and that's one of the most common things that comes up for for indie metal bands you know what i mean like bands yeah. like you guys that are touring in a far-flung place mate there's always going to be shitheads and other bands that want to treat you like shit mate it actually happens with very big bands so the, the amount of times that i've had some pretty bloody prominent people on the podcast who told me such and such as a real asshole and yeah. what they've done to them and they've told me do not repeat it you know this stuff and it's like okay i won't but Man, I've got to tell you, I've had to cut out. Jeez, man, there's been. I've spoken to some musicians for up to four hours. Yeah, right. The stories, the stories, brother, that I've heard. I I don't know whether it's just, it's. I I just think it's a symptom of the human condition, and it's it's so exacerbated when you're doing what you're doing, all the way across the other side of the world. You're trying to do your very best, and then you're with these other guys or girls, maybe, and they just don't care that you're. You're you're leading your best life right now, and you just need to be left the fuck alone to do that. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, um, it, it was it was we learned a lot about ourselves on that tour, and um, just finding the way to turn that, um, feel, you know, those feelings of frustration into something like productive was was like a bit of a breakthrough moment. Like you know, there's a line in that song, "Running Blind." Uh, it's mm. called, it says, "Use the hate." And that's kind of become our mantra. Like anytime someone pisses us off, mm. it's like, "Shut the fuck up, use the hate." Go on stage, 
just smoke them. Don't worry about it. So, but back to your point, back to your question, sorry. Um, you know, like, but like, you know, going to, going to Europe for the first time, like, it's a grind, man. And you gotta, you gotta hit those markets and do some shit tours and do some shit venues. Like, it's just like starting out at any market. So it's, it's almost like starting from, from the ground up again. So you have to grind your ass off in Australia. And then if you want to make it a real thing, you got to do that everywhere else as well. So, but you know, that's why we love it. It's all, it's all part of it. Um, but yeah, man, like you, you learn like little things like that along the way and it makes it a little bit more bearable. I'm, I'm a bassist and guitarist and I've, I've got to say, I've never truly played in a metal band, which is odd given what my, you know, stuff behind me looks like yeah. here and all the rest of it and my podcast. But I, I, I'm being a bass player. I just love playing like good bass lines, which generally means funk, groove, disco, yeah. a lot of pop songs, you know, and uh, the very limited experience that I had in metal bands, man, was bloody awful. I've got to tell you. Yeah, right. Um, very difficult playing in the pop bands and stuff. People are just they're just normal people that have got normal office jobs and shit. You know what I mean? Whereas with metal, it's more of a lifestyle. That's the key difference. Yeah. And you get people who I think are very tightly bound up in it. They're not. They're not got the vision that someone like you has got. So they don't. They can't write songs. They're just sort of along for the ride in a lot of respects. And they, uh, you know, just being out there doing it is enough. No, it's, it's not enough. I think you've got to have a. Jordan Peterson always talks about having a goal. And if you don't have a goal, like it's not like one of those American things where you've got to set goals and go after them. And that's all about real estate and new cars and all that bullshit. No, it's yeah. just about leading a productive and meaningful life and, and actually feeling like as though you've, you're leading a life that is the one that you wanted to lead when you were 18 and 19 and planning ahead, you know, and thinking ahead yeah. to where you were going to be. And uh, I, I often think, man, that uh, people like yourself who are, re- who are trying to do it, one of the indicators that you're well on your way is that you're going to deal with fuckwits. And if you're not dealing with fuckwits, you're probably not at the level where you need to be yet. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. No, that's, that's t- spot on, but um, yeah. you just got to learn how to deal with them. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Yeah. But um, and- yeah, man, I think uh, it's not hard to be nice to people. So that's uh, the most productive way that we, we found to, to, to get through things. Um, yeah. It's just this, like on tour, like if you can't work something out with someone that you're, you know, on tour with within the space of a day, it's just not going to work. No. Like, yeah, you know, especially on this European tour, we were all in the same van. We had two bands in the same van, oh, plus God. crew. So it was, um, yeah. you know, it was pretty gnarly. But we had a great time, and that was the thing. We were like, we're having more fun than them. So fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I love the way you're turning a negative into a positive too, which is the use the hate because there's this idea that you got to be meek and just take the bullshit and stuff. But um, sometimes I got to say it, man. Sometimes you just got to punch somebody the fuck in the head. I've just learned that punishes don't go away. Sometimes they just keep rounding. If you get physical, it teaches them a lesson that even if you might be not as strong as them or what have you, it's that you're not going to back down. And if they keep going at some point, they will get hurt too. Some people just don't understand what boundaries are. And and musicians are shockers for that, I've got to say. you know. And uh, the way you've turned that, that negative into a positive and channeled it back into two things, the songwriting and the band's performance, man. Mate, if you meet Punishers again, watch out. <laughs> They're going to end up in one of your songs. Yeah, well, that's it. And, you know like it doesn't have to be like it's just it's just our our message to ourselves more than anything else mm. like 
you know, they're probably never going to know it's about them and that's fine. Like I'm not trying to be vindictive in any way to, to anybody. Um, I think it's just, you know, if there's, if there's egos flying around, you can turn it into something good. And that's what we found on that tour. Um, and yeah, that's, it, yeah, like that's, that, that became a, a really big song for us actually. So um, mm. yeah, man, like, you know, it, it's funny how things can come from, you know, a shit place, but um, you can harness it into something good. And if you, if you're, you know, like I said before, if you have a vehicle, like that vehicle to, to you know, to channel your emotions, um, yeah, I mean, you're quite lucky, really. Like, if you can go out there and play a shit hot show, like, you feel amazing after it, and then you don't have to even argue with them or, you know, any of that stuff. So, yeah, man. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I've had, I wouldn't say I've had a lot of arguments with people that I've been in bands with, but some of them have been doozies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you just want to be with people that are cool and on the same wavelength as you. And uh, I often say, because I'm playing covers, right? I often say that the litmus test for me of a good musician is what we talk about in the breaks because we're playing four sets most often, yeah, uh, three sets or four sets. And uh, if we're talking about the football scores and the break, that's a fucking good sign usually. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, I'm playing. I play with Dave from God, not lately with COVID, but I've been in the band with Dave from the Porkers. Oh, and, cool. uh, and he's just such a class act, that guy. Uh, you know, he's a, I'm a Tigers fan. He's a Parramatta fan. And we just chat about that and God knows whatever else. Both of our kids are the same age. And uh, you, you just want that connection that way, don't you? If you, if you, if you talk to someone and say, hey, uh, you know, when you did played that E, can you play it in the octave rather than, you know, down below on the B string or what have you? I'm like, oh, my God, serious? You're talking yeah. about that now and the break? Jesus Christ, dude, we've done the hard yards. It's just the way people play. Bit, bit of a different thing for me compared to what you guys have to do because it's it's for, for you guys i imagine the rehearsal room is the proving ground you just get in there and it's just got to happen is that how it works um yeah i guess like it's we, we're, we are still pretty chill though man like i um on this record like that's the most you know it, it's the most challenging songs that we've we've written and it was just a case of relearning them almost to, to get them ready to play. Like that's another thing with like recording. Um, and I'm sure it's the case for a lot of metal bands, but um, you know, it's very easy to get carried away with layers uh, when you're recording. And we like to add a shitload of guitars. You look at the guitar tracks and you're like, how the fuck are we going <laughs> to do this live? And then you just record it. But you know, it, it's, it's all about the, the best interest of, of the song so if that song needs 25 guitar tracks then that's what we're going to do and then we'll work that out later like and that's another thing with like the vocals and and my guitar parts like i don't really give a shit about how hard it's going to be to sing and play when i'm writing it like there's been heaps of songs i'm like i don't know how i'm gonna this is this is impossible but like you know that was one good thing about last year we had a shitload of time to relearn everything properly um so yeah, in that respect, it's just like, you know, just drilling the shit out of them until they're tight, man. But having said that, nothing can prepare you for, um, like, the stage. You know, you can you, you can rehearse the shit out of, any, of stuff, but, like, you gotta, you got to get it out there. Like, we've got this one song that we're closing with at the moment, and I was like, it's like 80% there in the rehearsal room. Play two shows in a row, I'm like, there you go. It's done now. It's good. Mm. You need, you know, like, you need to be match fit. With the, with the re- rehearsal side of things, do you have to rehearse with mirrors to try and get some, I wouldn't call them stage moves, but to make a bit of a, to p- put on a bit of a visual presence for people watching? 
Um, no, we've, I don't think we've ever really done that. Um, when I'm when I'm learning how to sing and play, I usually try and minimize uh, like my like head moving down to look at the guitar. So I usually put the lyrics on a, on a wall mm. and then just play it slow and then just slowly build up the speed. So I'm yes. kind of learning the lyrics as I'm um, learning how to like put it together sort of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, no, no uh, cock rock mirror stuff. We just get up there and just <laughs> smash it out. They're always the rehearsal uh, rooms that are the first ones. They're always booked, aren't they, in rehearsal studios if they've got the mirrors. And uh, you see yeah. the band stand, staring at themselves when they've got the door open and someone's going out to go to the bathroom or get another beer or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah, uh, full dress rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always just done in the round, you know, where you're, where you're yeah, just looking yeah. at each other for, for yeah. cues and saying, okay, stop, we've got to go over this bit here. And I mean, playing covers, man, you don't even rehearse most of the time. There's just an expectation that you know yeah, the bloody sure. song because it's already there. Yeah. You know, so just learn it and turn up. But God almighty, the amount of times I've turned up and someone's like, oh, I learned another version. It's like, you didn't learn it at all, did you? You just thought you could <laughs> learn it because it's a popular song and it's yeah. really hard, actually. It's funny, like um, a few bands that we've played with don't really rehearse together as well just because they everything's on a click. So they've oh, just yeah. got in ears and they just practice to that. Um, which is like bizarre for me. Like, I don't think we could really get away with that. Like we've never played to a click. Um, sometimes we rehearse to a click if we want to get something really tight, but like, yeah, I don't know. I like that. Um, we have, we have too many parts that just hang for a little bit longer each night or, you know, it's just a bit too loose for us to do that. Um, but yeah, I really like like that, you know, the, whole, the energy of the whole band playing together. So. Yeah, I don't think it'll work for you guys. There's there's a lot of movement in these songs from the perspective that they do move and groove is what I mean. And so yeah. you need that breathing space to be able to make some decisions in the moment. And if that means holding off the cymbal hit just that beat longer. Yeah. Uh, and you can't do that with a click track, you know, is, you know, like I, 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 unless somebody's more or less at, in terms of live approaching expert level, I would never recommend a drummer to play with a click track because you don't know how the rest of the musicians are going to, interpret a song particularly if you haven't bloody rehearsed that much yeah oh, oh this man this is shitload of like tech death metal bands that play like that and like you know that's fine like whatever works for them that's cool but yeah for us we just got a little bit too much groove um going on in, in a few parts so mm. yeah probably wouldn't work for us but one thing that it has been great uh, recently as well as um our bass player lock has just taken over this um studio in beecroft it's just a little studio where he teaches out of um so that's kind of become like our little hq now which is fucking awesome like we got all our merch there and stuff um and yeah it just means that i have to go a little bit further but i've got away with rehearsing like two two minutes away from my house for like the best part of six years so i'm i'm fine to to uh to drive a little bit further it's all good but yeah it's, it makes it so much easier not having any like time to get you have know, time you have to get out or, or anything like that so yeah man it's good Brutal thrash metal and Beecroft aren't usually two things that I would associate with each other. I must say. No, well, there's a restaurant downstairs as well, so they haven't complained yet. But I'm pretty sure that that um, kick drum would just be pummeling them the whole time. But <laughs> oh, brutal! Yeah, yeah. Well, you, there's a, a pub up here, uh, the Exchange, which is just opposite Roma Street Station, the big station, like Central Station in Sydney. And yeah. uh, we used to go in there after work opposite the uh, the Telstra building used to be in the complex just above Roma Street Station and uh, used to go for some bevies and some dinner there. This is like 14, 15 years ago, however long ago it was. And there's there's this noise punk thing up here, you know, like Beast of Bourbon and bands like that. 
noisy rock punk sort of stuff and uh one of those type of bands uh the brisbane is famous for was would rehearse upstairs in the um the uh, the trans sorry transcontinental hotel not the exchange the transcontinental sorry and uh yeah you'd fucking hear everything <laughs> i wonder <laughs> how, how i mean they weren't good either it would be one thing listening to you guys and hearing your glorious thrash would be one thing but uh these guys were a bunch of it sounded like they'd got on the piss before they picked up their instruments and they were uh, <laughs> they were they were they weren't so much out of tune but they're out of time <laughs> yeah right and uh but uh yeah look you, you look you get that you got to rehearse where you can especially if funds are tight yeah, that's it. I don't reckon um, anyone that goes to get some pasta at that place would call us glorious in any in any way. But <laughs> <laughs> well, if I if I know what the restaurant is, I might do that. You know, I might say, "Hey, the reason I come to this restaurant is because yeah. of this band here playing this music. It's the ambience of the spaghetti combined yeah. with the uh, with the with the brutal thrash." You know, so. Hey, here's a question for you. Uh, insofar as catharsis, so that was your debut album in 2013. Yeah. Have you intentionally evolved since then, or has it happened rather naturally? Meaning your approach to songwriting, that is. I think it's been pretty organic, just from um, like other influences coming to the party. Like that album, I pretty much played everything except drums, so I just wrote everything and. Mm. Um, Flesh was me and Juz wrote that. And then this one, all four of us wrote it. So, yeah, it's just, you know, more influences and more people coming to the party, I guess. And just, you know, like we have such a vast range of influences at the moment that it's just like, it's just inspiration coming from all angles. So, hmm. yeah, man, it's just, it's been, it's like, I can't even, I can hardly even listen to that album now. Like just the difference in, in everything, like the performance, the, the songwriting is just so vast. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's good, but it's cool to see that evolution. I think, like, if, you know, if, if I heard one song off that and then one song off Cathedral, it'd be like, yeah, it's so different. But yeah, it goes back to what I was saying before. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta grind it out, man. Like, if you have a really yeah. big, successful first album, it's like, fuck, where do you go from there? You know, it's hard. I think it's, 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 it's better to have a, a couple of albums that are, you know, not shit, but like that, you know, teach you how to be a band. I think that's a really important thing. Metal is an album genre. I get that. But Spotify doesn't reward people who create albums. Did you think about turning Cathedral of Bones into a drip feed of singles or just individual tracks or even an EP? Um, not really, man. Like I think that kind of um, release strategy is still... I'm not sure if it still would work with our kind of music. I know that Spotify does reward that kind of release strategy. Like when you're pitching from you're pitching for more playlists, if like you make more of a big deal about you know, mm. particular songs. Like I've got mates that play in sort of pop punk bands, and like their whole strategy is just to release one song at a time and make a video for each song, so you've got maximum content for every single piece of the album that's coming out. Um, but sorry, there's a plane just coming at her. No good. No worries. Live close to the airport. No worries. Um, but yeah, like I think even from a digital perspective, metalheads are still they still want to listen to the whole record back to front, and that that's how I've heard to listen to music at least. Um, like 
yeah, the whole Spotify conversation, man. Like, I think, like, it's not ideal. Like the, the way that the like the money is there, it's just not split up very well. But you know, it's an ever changing industry, and I think bands have just got to adapt to that. Yeah, that's um, not going anywhere. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, there's people whinged when you know, like CDs came in. It's just you know, like it's a it's an ever changing thing. It's it's, it's you know, every generation has you know a, a new a, a new way of presenting music, I guess, and. Yeah, it's, I mean, from a consumer perspective, Spotify is fucking awesome. Like, you've got everything you could ever want, like, right there. And yeah, I've discovered yeah. so many bands, even just from our, like, just from wreckage getting on a bunch of playlists, like, going through those playlists and listening to that is like, I've discovered heaps of new bands that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So, from a consumer perspective, it's fucking good, but it's just, yeah, it, it, it is hard to, you know, to make any money. But you know, you just got to—I don't know, man. You've just got to adapt to it and just treat it more as a, a, a way of more people hearing your music. Yeah, yeah. It, it it has to link up with a decent social strategy, which you've got, and touring, which nobody's been able to do for a while now. So hopefully, yeah, things. Sort and of also, get back like it's it, it's cool to like when it comes time to like book stuff overseas, like you can see exactly where your fans are very easily. And that's like when we were talking about like being addicted to um, like the band page and the spot, uh, the podcast page for you. Mm. Um, like the Spotify artist app is even fucking worse. That's another thing that I'm addicted to now. Cause you can see like, Oh, how many people are listening now? And like, you know, where your listeners are and what playlist you're on and all these like, dem- like demographics and all these, um, you know, all these numbers and stuff. And like, I have no doubt that like big promoters use those tools to book tours and it's just, it would be a lot easier for them to do that. You know, you see, you can see exactly where your fan base is. So in that regard, it's good as well. Like it's not all bad, man. Um, and like getting on those big playlists is like, you know, it's, uh, it's skyrocketed our streams. So yeah, like I'm not, I'm not fully against it. Yeah, that's good to hear. And the reason I say that is because I, I, I don't think the model rewards artists at all. We know that, but it's yeah. here to stay and you either work with it or you get fucked. Like that's honestly the way the situation is evolving at this point in time. And the uh, the CEO of Spotify was, uh, I don't think he does many interviews, but he, he's not a dummy, of course. He's actually an extremely intelligent fellow. And uh, he was talking about what I mentioned earlier about linking in and providing fans with like the whole experience it's not just about the music anymore you've got to have uh, i'm paraphrasing of course but the video the social presence the fan interaction stuff um maybe uh do some uh like uh what do they call it gofundme patreon style thing yeah that's called it's on the tip of my tongue but i forget what that's that style of uh, marketing is called and like as an artist you need to treat spotify and apple music to a lesser extent as another form of social media, like you need to be constantly updating profile pictures and like artist pick and all that stuff. And like it, they make they Spotify does make it pretty easy to do that. Like you know, like we were just like well, since we've signed this um distro thing with Blood Blast, they've been great in like you know personally coaching us through the process of how to maximize all of that stuff. And Spotify was something that I didn't really think of in that in that way previous to this release as well mm. so that's been another thing that i've learned like it's been a massive learning curve man and um yeah just like knowing the right way to go about it 
is um, it, at, at the end of the day, it just gets more people listening to your band. And that's the most important thing. Like I obviously want people to buy it, buy the album. Cause I like metalheads still have this, you know, deep connection to physical copies, which is mm-hmm. great. And I don't think many other genres still have that, you know, there's like rock, like rock and roll and metal heads are still their fucking collectors, man. And that's cool. And that means you can still find a way to maximize your streams and have some really killer merch and do like different vinyl variants and all that stuff and still sell some physicals as well. So as long as you're across all that, like you can make it work from multiple angles. And yeah, like I said, it's just more people listening to your music. So that's, that's what, you, that's yeah. what it comes down to at the end of the day. Yeah. So, solid perspective. And and the other thing I think is uh, from a, from an audience perspective, you guys must rip live. And I know I'm going to try and get to your gig there on the 8th of May at Mansfield town. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. that that will be awesome. I can't wait for that show. Yeah, oh, we've got some. The, all these cold ticket bands are coming up. Yeah, Chris it's. Is, um, I think it's a real testament to the strength of the Sydney scene at the moment. We've got two Sydney bands headlining a festival in Brisbane, which is pretty cool. Um, and I've got to say, mate, that's a first because Sydney, as you probably are aware, mate, I mean, Sydney has given birth to the greatest bands in Australia of all time in excess, yeah. AZ, was- the, the, uh, the Easy Beats, you know. But, mate, for about 25 years there, nothing was coming out of Sydney. Yeah, there was a bit of a flat period, like, and certainly in the metal circle for a little while there. But um, now it's just so good. Like, the, there's like Samaru doing stuff, Black Reno, Astro Death. Like, there's a lot of cool stoner bands coming out of there. Mm. Um, so yeah, man, it's really exciting. Like, and that's one thing that we're trying to do more of, especially this year, is just play with some different bands. Like, I'm kind of sick of playing with, um three or four of the same sounding thrash bands. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's still, it's, it's still Australia. Like there's not that many and chances are you've probably seen all those guys before. No, no, no disrespect to them whatsoever, but just like, I think from a punter's perspective, it opens up like, it's just cool. Like to see, like if you went to a gig and saw like Harlot and Astro Death, like I would be like, that's fucking sick. Like I, I saw Harlot and Dr. Colossus played a show together in Melbourne. I was like, that mm-hmm. is, that's killer. Like there should be more of that. Like, and, and for the bands as well, like you get to play to people that probably wouldn't have, you know, come out to see otherwise. Um, so yeah, I think just being a bit more open with um, genres is cool. Cause yeah, like it's, it's still a small, a small scene um, across the, the rock and metal banner. So like, yeah, I, I think that's really important, man. Yeah, I had a chat to Jono from Dr. Colossus a few weeks back, actually. Yeah, and, I, li- uh, I listened to that, actually. Oh, sweet. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 He's, a, he's a good dude, man, yeah. All, all these yeah. bands. We did some shows with them, actually, like a couple of years ago. It was really fun. Yes, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think I think to your point there, we might be a small scene in Australia still. Of course we are. But I think there's enough diversity and variety that, to your point, to your, your point there, because I'm with you 100% on that one there. Like, you guys and Black Reno, one after the other, would be a, a marvellous combination. But uh, I'm not yeah. sure. And, this, and no disrespect to Harlot at all. And Andrew and the band are great, great guys and, and great band. But I'm not sure that that would go down that well because you you sound, you're in the same quadrant on the compass, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, that's where I think festivals are, 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 are very, I don't, I don't uh, envy anybody who has to organise a festival from that perspective. Because people want to hear their favourite bands, but you've got to put all these bands, and no doubt there's some egos, and the managers themselves have egos. 
vying for jostling for position where they go on the lineup. But you have to have that that A and B set up like a checkerboard, if yeah, you like. Sure. If you have to, if you have Exodus going on after Testament, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sure that happens, by the way. But man, after about three hours of that, no matter if Testament are your favorite band, and they are one of my favorite bands, I don't think I'd stick around for too long. Yeah, for sure, man. Like we we try and avoid doing those like all day uh, festivals that are like similar kind of bands all day um like this brizzy one we're doing is all day but it, there's there's quite a bit of variety on the lineup and that's like a big um thing for us like yeah like we've done quite a few of those and it's just like i don't know it's just it, it feels like it's just a lot of bands it's not really like the, the word festival can be thrown around pretty loosely i think sometimes like there, like there needs to be a bit of variety um so yeah, that one will be really cool just because it has that. And like, yeah, like Black Brain are different from us heaps. Like they've got, you know, we've got a bit of groove, but they're like a groove band, you know, like it's there's, there's shitloads of different influences coming in there. Um, like there's some death metal on the bill, there's some thrash, there's some other stuff. Like it's like it's it's unique enough to to not feel make the day feel like a drag. Like and some of those ones that we've done like that, it's just like everyone's just fucked by like 10 o'clock. And like the sound guy that's been mixing, you know, mm. twelve bands straight has just got mm. no ears. So yeah, I think from yeah, in that in that regard, it's really important to diversify. It is, and uh, yeah, the the, the quality. Uh, I thought I thought the metal scene was strong about four years ago or so. I'm not saying it ebbed or anything like that, but you get used to the bands that are out there, like the Aversions, Crowns, yeah. the Deathcore bands, like Thy Art is Murder and stuff, and then you wait for the new stuff to come through. And I think you're a part of that. I know you've been going for 10, 15 years or thereabouts, but you know what I'm saying. It's yeah. uh, it's the stuff that's starting to become prominent and, and easy for people to sort of get into due to the algorithm, the social media algorithm, throwing your name up constantly. And I think we're, we're going through... Uh, another high high tide, if you like, with, with you guys and, and the other cult etiquette bands there, man. So man, we're, we're coming out of COVID strong, that's for sure. Just I hope that, oh, yeah. um, that, that, that people get off their asses and actually support the bands and go out there to the shows and, and watch them. Man, I reckon they absolutely will. It's just... Um, and I have faith that that will last as well. Like, it's, um, it's crazy. Like, you know, it's, it feels like, you know, it's taken something so horrible for people to you know have this appreciation for live music um like like we were saying before like sydney was a bit dead for a little while there and you know like just that attitude of like oh you know I'll, that band will play again soon you know but now it's like no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow so people are buying tickets and they're fucking filling out venues man like it was just i, I was kind of worried about the ticket price for our Sydney show because we don't use like just because of the COVID restrictions and stuff, we had to charge a fair bit more than we normally would. Mm. And I was like, oh man, that's too much. Like people aren't going to pay that. And then bang, sold out. No worries. Yeah, so that's awesome. It's not a it's not an issue. Like people are, you know, really keen to get out there and support venues. And that's a very important thing as well. Like venues are, you know, that they're still not back up to full capacity. So they need they need people to get down there, man, drink some beers and watch some bands because it's fucking, yeah. I don't, like, it's just horrible what they've been through last year, like, with all the restrictions and all the cunty landlords. But, um, yeah, man. Oh, and, and, and cunty premiers 
who are who aren't doing surgical lockdowns and, and locking down entire states for political purposes is the other thing. You know, Michael Chug was going on about that in an interview that I uh, read with him this morning because he can't book national tours. He can't bring bands out. And I, I understand there's a lot of countries that are in the same boat, but comparatively speaking, then we've had our shit together. People have followed instructions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, like we've we've done a few of those seated shows and um, mm. like as weird as they were for, I don't know, I, I didn't even think they were that weird, to be honest. Like it was like two songs of like, this is a bit strange. But then after that, I was just like, I haven't been on a stage for that long. This is fucking awesome. Like, and, mm. you know, people were so respectful of what they had to do to make the show happen, um, you know, just to, to keep the venue open and keep the band on the stage. Like after not having something that means so much to them for that long. It's just been crazy seeing the response. And like, yeah, we did a couple of those seated ones and then we rocked into Melbourne the other week and I hadn't seen a pit, like a proper pit for, you know, ages. And first song, it was just all in. I was like, fucking hell, this is, it's crazy, man. Like it's, it's clear how much it means to people. And um, yeah, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So it's, it's, it's all in today, which is good. It's great, man. It's going to be a big resurgence for sure. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Mate, before I let you go, uh, can you tell people where they can go to support you, so your socials pages, and can you just tell people, because uh, you're doing an East Coast tour, aren't you? Uh, we're doing, we're going everywhere, man. We got, um, we just announced a Perth show yesterday. Nice. Uh, we got like, we're trying to, like, as I said before, we're trying to play with a lot of different styles of bands, but we're also trying to do a lot of regional shows this year, just because, uh, yeah, the, the uh, overseas stuff's probably still off the cards for a little while. Mm. So we're going to try and hit some places we haven't done before in Australia. Um, and like, you know, those little towns, man, they really appreciate, appreciate it when you, when you make the effort to go there. Um, you know, just get the local bands down and just really support those even smaller scenes. Um, so yeah, we've got like, so we've got Perth, we've got Adelaide, Port Piri, we're doing a Metal United down under. Um, we've got a show in Wyala. We're doing that Kill Fest thing, King Parrot. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up, which is really exciting. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check out any tour dates or support direct, just go to flamingrecords.com. All our merch and stuff's up there. Um, and, yeah, other, other than that, it's just all on the all over the streaming services. You can check us out there. But, um, yeah. Yeah, Cathedral of, Cathedral of Bones, a modern classic in the uh, in the uh, brutal thrash genre, man. I mean, that. I mean, it's all there. I mean, if you, people love what James Hetfield started and Dave Mustaine started back in the day, but, but have some, some cannibal corpse in there and some of Slayer's heavier stuff. It's, you've done it. It's all there. Oh, thanks man. You have been listening to the scars and guitars podcast series. that syndicates for the A-list online. My name's Andrew Mackay Smith. That interview subject was Dave Lupton from the Sydney based group flaming wreckage. Thanks for tuning in.